Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf magazine. My name is Larry Canning. With me in the studio, no more than two and a half foot away, but I can nearly make, is a man who's coached winners on every major tour around the world. His name is Gary Barter. I call him Gaz. Hello, Gaz. How are you, mate? Good, good. Mate, one of those pupils I just spoke about there in the intro, we'll be talking to Matt, Matt yeah, Jones. That'll be exciting. Yeah, two-time Australian Open winner, played live golf, played two events. Great player. So from a player's perspective, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and you've known him for a long time. We'll be reviewing the new Jaws Raw wedges from Callaway Golf and talking to Ben Allen, training and fitting specialist with Callaway, about the new wedges. They've just been released. They've um, been used on the tour for a little while, apparently, and there's a lot of feedback from the tour players, and it's filtering through to wedges that we can now buy over the counter, but you need to get fitted, and we'll talk about that. Our tip will be connected, as we usually do, try and connect the tip with the product. So you're going to be telling uh, us, me and Andy, how to chip, how to pitch, and without hurting anyone. And I've done that. Speaking of that, there's actually uh, my old caddy, Righty, the Mighty Righty, and I think you've met every, I think every player I've ever played with has met the Mighty Righty. Wonderful player, got down to about one or two handicap, I think he's been the club champion at Gosford, but he got the chipping yips, he got them pretty badly. That's not uncommon. It, nah, really badly, like this is life-changing stuff. He finished up, he putts, he uses driver, he, I think he's tried left-handed. Just recently, he thought he'd got over it. And my brother-in-law, Mark Churcher, he was the pro at Gosford, a good friend, was playing with Righty not long ago, a week or so ago. And they were up on the Gold Coast, and Righty had this little lob wedge over a trap, had no choice. He had to try and flip it up over the trap. Mark said he counted at least three times he hit it, like he got it once and then twice, on, and then third, eventually finished up about 40 metres behind him. <laughs> so it's like he'd been tased at an impact. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's yelling out four because no one knew where it was going to finish up. I mean, and it's the one of the club stayed in his hand. You know? <laughs> so I'll be, and so will the mighty Righty be very interested in, uh, mm. in your chipping uh, technique because you did help, you've helped, you have helped people with the yips, haven't you? I know one in particular I'm not going to mention there. No, I've, I've had a lot of pros come. It is common, isn't it? it is. is it more common well, now? Look at, look at look at Ogle. Look at how good Brett, yeah, Brett played golf. Like, he was amazing. And uh, he only had a short short career, really. And that, that, finished, that finished with the yips. Yeah, yeah. Started with the putting and went through? Yeah. It, well, it not so. Yeah, the putting, putting you, can, you can sort of disguise it. Yeah, a bit yeah. Because yeah. they get long putters, cross-handed, yep. claw. But that uh, that short shot, it just uh, they break out in the cold sweats yeah. when they have to pull that club out and chip it over a bunker. Yeah, yep, it's horrible, isn't it? I know a bloke who wore out his hybrid, wears the one out every six months because it's all he chips with. He used to wear out his wedge, it's brand new. Now, we're going to be having a spit, Gaz. We we love a spit. I have mentioned this before, and it's like, it's getting a little boring, I think. I saw it again happen uh, in one of the most, well, the most famous golf course in the world, so I, I want to talk about that. We're still buzzing about Cam Smith, and we'll get back after this break, and mm. we'll talk about the British Open that's just finished. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Gary, British Open, St Andrews, everything about this tournament was special. All it needed was an Australian winner, and we got it. What sort of week is it? Are you still... I couldn't believe it. Like, I... I normally, the British Open, I'll, I'll sort of watch the leaders play, tee off, and then I'll go to sleep, set the alarm, try and get up at, like, 2 o'clock and watch mm. them play the last six or seven holes. And this time... I just sat there literally from 7 p.m. till 4.30 in the morning and it was incredible to watch. Like it was just the standard of golf, the just the whole event. Obviously, Rory 
you know, obviously mm, the yep. yeah, the English crowd, Scottish crowd, European crowd wanting Rory to win. And for Cam to play the golf he did and win the golf tournament. Mm. Uh, it, it was just one of those one of those classics. Uh, they compared it to Nicholas mm, Watson. Yeah. They they compared it to Mickelson, Stenson. And even though they weren't literally playing next to each other, what Cam did, and I, I found it interesting listening to Cam's interview where he said to his caddy, we better get going, like with, with nine holes to go. Mm. And he makes five birdies in a row. And then he's, he said, I had to like, my mindset had to change then because it's like I've gone from chasing mm, yep, yep. now to leading and just have the, the, just have the courage and the quality of shots he, he hit coming in and the putts he made. You could even hear with Immelman and uh, Thomas Bjorn, who are obviously great, great players, even, even they were, were stunned on his mm. ability to get that done. Like that's such a big championship to get that done. How many people have that ability? Have that psyche? How many? How often do you see that? Not very often, is it? No, I remember Gary Evans got interviewed. Um, he it, that's a famous. He, he correct thing, yeah. me if I'm wrong, but it maybe be like oh oh seven, and he he went out really early, mm. and he he was eight seven eight under par, and he said he got on the and he was leading, and he mm. got on the. But obviously, the leaders still had nine holes to play. But if he put that score on the board, they'd be struggling to get yeah, there. And he said, "I got like a nasty day." Wasn't yeah, he said, "I got on the and like for." A, he said, "For me, I got on that 18th tee," and he said, "I almost my eyes were like watering. I couldn't even hardly get the club back." And he sort of hit it into the into the gorse, and then he he struggled. And he, I think he made it. He got up and down the last hole for a bogey. But he said it made me realise that all the great players that I'd seen over the years, like Nicholas, Watson, Trevino, Woods, for them, Els, to, for them to have the intestinal fortitude to sort of win a major, mm, he said mm. it made me really appreciate, as human beings, yeah. forgetting about golfers, just, just that mental ability to get it done. Uh, and but, it, but even the greats have have not been able to do that sometimes, haven't they? It's well, you, well, look, you look at Montgomery nineteen, 19 times or up. Yeah, yeah. Westwood, yeah. Montgomery, and 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 when Darren Clark when Darren Clark won and he got interviewed, it was an amazing interview. They obviously congratulated him and Darren. How do you feel? And he and he said, "Look, I knew when I teed off today that I'd get asked a lot of questions, and I just I can at least talk to you now and say that I was able to answer them." Mm, yeah, yeah, and I and that's that that's the that's the battle. For these guys is that 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 point where they've got to get it done mm. yeah and, and as you said how many people have got that inside them and cam when you look at cam the 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 record he's accruing i was thinking about the other day it's almost amazing to think that if he even if he stopped winning now but if he continues on to think that he'd have a better career than adam scott yeah you would yeah, you wouldn't yeah, believe it yeah like if you if you said three years ago that he's going to have a, a career equal or better than Adam Scott, mm. you'd, you'd go, you, you're joking. But he's showing us his skill level. He has no weaknesses, but also mentally, which is this this magical thing. That's the that's the that's the X yeah, factor for it. It is, it is, and 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 what what that is that some people have and most don't. Because you see a lot of really good players, like we just mentioned, Monty and um, and Lee Westwood. Um, and there's the, there's the player there's a player I'll put uh, Louis Easthausen in the same 
bracket, category. Yeah, even though he's won a major, um, how many times? How many times have they been in that position and haven't got over the line? And what does that do? I mean. I, I hate that bloody cliche. Well, Rory's, Rory's you, you been learn, learn from your losses. Well, what do you learn? That you can lose. That's what you learn, isn't it? Absolutely. You look at Rory now, and and they're they're sort of looking at Rory now and questioning that mm. as well. Yep. yep. Where he's 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 like a Ferrari. He's got everything, mm. and he's he's. But that that last round that he played, he was very very careful. He was trying to not make a mistake, and he played like. You're looking at someone that is just not going to do it, like Louis. Exactly, yeah. and and even though he hit 18 greens in regulation, and if you look at the highlight That's a bit reel, of an anomaly though, isn't it? Around there, yeah. But if you look at the highlight reel, it looks like he missed a lot of putts, and he was very close. And you could say he's very unlucky, but every putt was hit slightly weak, yeah, slightly yeah, careful. Exactly. It's like yeah. I I'm hope, surprised the you're the, you're the I, first person to pick it, up and that I saw it. Yeah, I hope this goes in. It's like it's yeah, like yeah. it's like we all experience. Any of our levels, um, whether you're off a 15 handicap or 20, and and you you're going well in the the Saturday Stableford, and you 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 four up with two to play, and the playing partner goes, "Gee, if you can just yeah, you can just get two points on the really last well. two holes, you'll win today." <laughs> and then in the next minute, they're they're drinking through a straw in the fetal position, <laughs> and don't want to play golf again because they've they've gone and wiped the last two holes. <laughs> they've, got, they've got the intravenous trolley. <laughs> Up. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's that's the bit. That's the bit that Cam Cam seems to have. He's bulletproof mentally. Is there a better short game in the world? Well, the, the other moment? the other thing too with a short game, and we can talk about technique all we like. It's it's that's the part where you got to be most courageous. So that mm. that six foot putt that's breaking, and you've got to make that putt. And I think you know many years ago. You know, most people when they're asked if you had a six foot putt to save your life, I'll get Jack to make it. Yeah, yeah. And Tiger, like Tiger's putting under pressure, so it, it's 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 like your will and your how stoic you are. And Cam Cam seems to have, that putt he made on seventeen, that second putt yeah, he made yeah, on seventeen. Yeah, yeah. It just like that was this like dead center, perfect mm. pace, incredible. And he still had to go and birdie the last mm. as well. And Cameron Young. That little, that little putt in the last. Well, I well, mean, that's, that's well, Doug how Sanders. How many times have we seen? How many that, times did they replay oh. Doug Sanders that week too? So, and and it's funny. Matt and I were fortunate enough to talk to Doug Sanders. Oh, um, really? Yeah, when Matt played the British Open at St Andrews last time, we were staying in the same hotel as Doug, and he's a great guy to he's talk to, good. and he loves his golf, and he he always goes to the the British Open, and he said that he thinks about missing that putt oh, no. every single day. 1970. 1970. Um, and it was just painful to watch, wasn't it? Have you, you got a, have you got a, a memory like that that you <laughs> recall? Well, I remember I, I had a I, shank I at Maruya no, but, uh, in a Pro-Am. But, yeah, but it's not going to cost and you. I mean, it cost you the Pro-Am purse, maybe, <laughs> and a little bit of self-respect. And it's still etched in my mind. <laughs> I, had, I had a shank on the 18th at, in the Australian PGR at Concord in two of all tents, the Heineken tent. So everyone's pissed in there. Yeah. And I've hit this clean shank from the centre of the fairway with, with my brother-in-law on the it's golf a, It's bag. a beautiful walk. Yeah, it is that, a yeah. terrible walk. It's a beautiful walk. walk. Oh, and then you've got to go and get your ball back and the cliche corny one-liners and the 
<sighs> and Mark just dropped a bag near, near my, where I, the drop zone and said, I'll see you in the bar, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm not angry. <laughs> Because we'd been in and out of the gallery the whole bloody day, oh. and he, you know he'd, he'd met, he knew most of the gallery by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Made that was just again. too much for him. Yeah, mm. and then I, I chipped it to about six foot, missed it, and I, as I tapped it in, I heard a bloke say, "So you get it? That's five or two, mate." I said, oh yes, <laughs> just let me at it. You know, yeah. we've gone off the track, uh, Gary. Um, so Cam Smith, he's going to win more. Oh, the golf course, the setup of the golf course, they're twenty under. Um, quite often we associate a 20 under school with a typical US PJ Tour event where they're throwing darts at things. Mm. This was a this was an entertaining 20 under that, wasn't it? Because there was it was an exhibition of a lot of things. I think driving a golf ball around that golf course was a little under uh, under talked about. I thought it was critical to get those little chip shots around the green. You had to be hitting it in the right side of the green. You know, the the par four greens where they're driving nearly on is three or four of them. In a little stretch in the yeah, middle. Yeah, look, it's a very strategic golf course. It's uh, strategic bunkering. You've got you've got the modern equipment now. You've got the modern ball. You've got the guys that are all stronger, going to the gym, better techniques, and the course played fast mm. as well. But you still needed that skill level around the greens. And Cam finished eleven and a half shots ahead of the field in putting. That's strokes gained. Oh, did he in putting? But as you know, putting is a combination of chipping the ball as well. He was fifth in total putts, so he so he made he was 120 putts for four rounds, mm. which is only 30 putts around. But with those huge greens, mm. yep, yep, it it's still his short game clearly again has as we said before he 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 definitely would probably have arguably the best short game in the world. Yeah combination of chipping and putting, but that's to get it done. So, that you know, the putt is the final piece of the puzzle in every hole. It's when you're putting the score on the card, and it's the one that has obviously the most value. And that's what he's obviously mm-hmm. excels at. And very conventional. Nothing – I mean, it just looks like the perfect stance, perfect grip. Very comfortable. I remember Jack Newton said – Many years ago, that great putters look very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah. They don't look like they're standing there trying to make the perfect stroke with an elbow, elbow yeah, out of the he, ear he, or something. Yeah, like. he 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 just he just looks like the putter's just part of him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and he's not that technical either. He he got interviewed in regard to his putting, and he talked about he just uses a putting mirror just to get his setup correct and his eyes correct. And after the third round. He said that he didn't make many putts, so he went back to the putting green and worked on his putting, only for a short time. He said 15, 20 minutes, and he just wanted to hit some putts just to see the ball go in the hole. Yep. yep. So oh, was, yeah, it was, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I putted poorly. What's wrong with my mm. stroke? Is the face open? Is the path left? Is this to have, is that? It was just, you know what, I just want to get a sense of the ball going just in pouring hole. in the front of the hole. I just want to see it going in. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lesson yeah. to be learned there. Yeah, Absolutely. Gary, we're going to be back right after this. The Backspin Interview, thanks to Inside Golf. Well, he's won two Australian Opens, Gary, twice on the US Tour. He is um, a magnificent golfer and has shown that he can play under all sorts of conditions and under all sorts of pressure. He's now joined Live Golf and played the first two events. And we talk, of course, about Matthew Jones. Yeah, pretty exciting. Great player. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's won two Aussie Opens, but his Australian Open record's incredible. He's had a, a third, a sixth... 
a second. So he obviously loves that tournament. Mm. But winning the Honda, that's a big one. Winning Houston, that's a big one. So there, it's like when I look at Elkington's career, and he won a couple of players, he won a PGA, he won the Buick. Like they're they're actually big events. Yeah, yeah. and tough courses, aren't they? The Honda Classic, Gary, particularly difficult golf course there, isn't it? Oh well, the Honda the Honda's regarded as probably the toughest course. What's that strip that schedule? they play? The, the the bear strip or the, the bear trap? Bear trap. Yeah, it's got a big. Big sort of brass bear, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it, it looks, like, it looks like it's going to engulf right you. in the middle of the green. As, as, <laughs> as, no, as, as they walk to the seventeenth, when you've got to hit like a depending depending on the on how they set it up, you can hit anything from probably a wedge into a into a four iron, and if you don't hit the green, you pretty much yeah, yeah, you're wet or you're in a bunker that you can't get it up and down from. So. Yeah, the players get reminded when they walk on that tee, they've got something to... Is it because it was a golden bear? Did Jack Nicholas design it? Well, it's Nicholas's course. So it must be. Yeah, that's 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 his home course. So, but I just I just think it's just just a significant. You know, they've they, they players walked those last three holes, 16, 17, 18. It's brutal. So it just so happens, guys, that we have Matthew on the on the phone. Matt that's, Jones. that's exciting. It is, yeah. Since someone who's played the first two tournaments in the Live Golf Series, and, and I'm really interested to hear what he's got to say. Well, Matthew Jones, welcome to Backspin, mate. Thank you for taking the time out to have a talk with us. How are you? Very good, thanks. Got Gary right here next to me. You're familiar with Gary Barter, I believe, Matt? I am, very well. I've known him for a long time now. How long, actually? What am I, 42, since I was 15, so wow. whatever, whatever that, that is, 27 years. That's a long marriage. Yeah. Do you argue? Do you fight? All the time. What would set nah. something off? What would you say? What would? How does Gary give you the tray bits sometimes? What does he, what does he get you nah, to do we, things that you don't like doing? And That's come out really badly, we, hasn't it? We, we both <laughs> just get worn out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Well, it's a, yeah, it is a wonderful relationship, and I think one of the longest in Australian golf history. God, I, I can't imagine anyone else coaching one player that long. Matt, thank you again for being on. Two, you've won two Australia Opens. You've won on the US Tour. You've won on the biggest stages around the world. And now you're playing live tournaments. Can you compare what that's like, live tournaments v playing Australian Open or a US PGA Tour event? Yeah, I mean, it's. I've only played the first two events. And from my experience so far, the first two events have been great. They've been uh, on two very tough golf courses. And the scores would suggest that too. Uh, Centurion Club in London was a, a very good test of golf. And then Pumpkin Ridge uh, in Portland a few weeks ago was another good test. It was actually a backup course for a US Open in 2015 at Chambers Bay when they were there. It was uh, Chambers was not in good shape and they went there and uh, we we're going to use Pumpkin Ridge as a backup course. So it's uh, the golf courses are great. The, t- the uh, test has been great. I mean, the fields are amazing and uh, it's very similar to a regular tour event that I've played on. Admittedly, it's a shotgun and it's 54 holes, not 72 holes, but there's still the competitiveness and the, uh, the feelings you have playing the tournament golf and the competitive rounds is very very much the same. Do you have to change your mindset with 54 holes? Is it that much different? I haven't, and my results haven't been great so far, but I'm still playing tournament golf, so the way I've played tournament golf is very similar. I don't think it would change just because it's 54 holes and just because there's no cut. That doesn't mean I'm going to take anything on more or less. I'm naturally a very aggressive golfer, so I'm still going to play that way regardless if there is a cut or if there's no cut. So it's to me, it's very much very similar to how I would play a normal a regular tour event. With only eight events, there is only eight events this year, right? That, that hasn't changed, has it? Yes, correct. With weeks off in between, do you have to stay sharp? I mean, do you, do you practice as much as you usually do? Or? I mean, it's it's a little different. It's something I've got to get used to. It's something I haven't done 
for a long, long time, actually. I am suspended by the PGA Tour. I don't really have access to a lot of courses to play and practice at that I'm used to, so I'm in the middle of trying to figure out where I can play and practice at in Arizona. It is going to take some getting used to and staying sharp because there is something to be said about playing two, three tournaments in a row to get mm. yourself tournament sharp. There is, a, there is something to being tournament sharp. So it's something I'm going to have to figure out in my practice, playing t- rounds of golf instead of just hitting balls because I've normally got one week or two weeks off at a time in between regular tour events. I mean, next I've got a month off next week, next the whole month of August off. So it's going to be uh, me just readjusting my practice routine and making my rounds of golf that I play as practice much more competitive and much more tournament-like. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be that hard for me to do. I've done, I've played enough tournaments in my career now to know what it takes yep. to be ready for a golf tournament. Do you have the option of playing Asian PGA Tour events? I do, yes. Okay. I have the option of playing those, which we looked at for August, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully something happens with the PGA Tour and we're able to play mm-hmm. the FedEx Cup here in, in a few weeks and I could play one or two of those or three. But that's that's not that's out of my hands. That comes down to the lawyers. Fair so enough. I suppose, Maddie, on a positive point of view, you've got time to recover and get your body better. People don't yeah, realise do. that golf golf's very physical. Like, a, a, obviously, we look at you guys play and walk around the golf course and hit a shot every few minutes, but the reps, especially hitting balls, just the, the stress on the body... You know, as we as all of us get older, that's something that is a positive, I think, for you or any anyone with that limited schedule. Is that something yeah. that you, you know, you've got you've got obviously got a better chance to do it now. Is that something that's going to be more? Well, I was, yeah, I was sitting down in London with Phil, and that was one of the big talking points we spoke about, and that's one of the biggest things he he was excited about is the ability to be able to recover for tournaments and be ready physically and mentally for the next event and not take as and you can put much more into an event in a three-day tournaments you got two days to prep and then if you want two days and then you've got three days of tournaments instead of a regular tour event it's four days of tournament golf plus then you've got another two days it's six straight days and then you get probably a day off and you've got to do it again the next week but mm. monday's normally a day off on a regular tour event and then tuesday wednesday you're prepping and then thursday through sunday's tournaments and over on the live tour we don't have to do as much physical and mental as we're used to and i think that's a uh, a big plus to being able to play over there that seems to be from what we're hearing from the players that's um, one of the massive advantages isn't it the 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 smaller schedule and being able to do what you what you wanted to have been able to do years ago. Yeah, I mean it's it is it is a beat down playing the PGA Tour. It's a physical. I mean, I think there's 43 tournaments, and it mm. is a mental and physical beat down week in and week out, and you don't have time to recover. Patrick Harrington, I spoke to him about it for a couple of years ago, and he said you need at least six to eight weeks off to fully recover yeah, for, in an off yeah. season, which we don't have an off season ever. We finish in yep. at the end of November. And then a lot of us come back to Australia and play, and then we're expected to get back to Hawaii and start after uh, three weeks. I think the players now, are, they're playing a bigger schedule now on the PJ Tour. Like 10, 12 years ago, you wouldn't see the players playing week in, week out like they are now. They seem to be, like to get those FedEx Cup points, to get those world ranking points, it's almost like you feel compelled. It's tough to take you know weeks off when there's eight, $10 million tournaments, but also to the, the points accruing in those events yeah. so and a lot of the young guys are playing like i know when you played back on the day nationwide web that you were playing pretty much every week oh, yeah. at, that, at that time and then the pga tour it, what the schedule back in the day wasn't 
like you felt compelled to play every week, but no. you, you sort of do feel compelled now. With the PGA Tour, you, there's always a carrot out there you're trying to chase. There's always the top 30, then there's the top 70. There's always something you're trying to, to gain better status towards the next year. Uh, top 70 gets you in all the invitationals and top 30 gets you in all the majors. So there's always something that you're chasing. So they've always got that carrot in front of you where you're like, oh, should I play? Should I take a week off? Where I think it'd be great if they had mandatory weeks off for everyone to be able to rest and recover. I think it would be a mm. better product mm. from the mm. player's yep. point of view and it would be better for the fans that don't get golf shoved down their throats every week. I'm enjoying watching it on TV, YouTube. I'm still trying to work out the team aspect to it, Matt. I can't quite get my head around that just yet. Looks like there's some pretty highly stacked up teams and, and some not. So what's your view on the team part of it? Yeah, I mean, the guys that came across the bigger names, they have their team captains. So they are... Uh, like the South Africans, their contracts, they had it written in at the start that they would be on the same team. Oh, okay. And they were just lucky enough to have three quality yeah, or four yeah. quality golfers come over. DJ is the same. He's got Gooch now, I think, Perez, and I can't remember who his fourth is. I mean, Punch, Team Australia, I mean, it's tough. When you go up against those other two, those other kind of players as the team aspect when scores count, but mm. hopefully we can somewhat do something uh, better in uh, Jersey this week. I think we're probably going to be adding Travis Smythe to the team this week. Oh, good, good. Um, so I think it'll be another Team Australia again. But uh, the team aspect is great. I hope it really takes off. I think there's room for it in golf. Mm -hmm. I think yep. there is. I mean, when I'm out there playing, I'm, I'm not so much looking for my individual score. I'm actually watching how the team's going. To be honest with you, when I'm maybe close to the lead, I'll probably be looking at where I stand individually, but I'm really always looking to see how the team's doing. So you're feeling uh, it. While I'm out there. I found it interesting at the Aussie. Obviously, I've been to the first two events with you, and, and coming back, there's definitely an interest in the team aspect, especially the Australian team. And obviously, as our team is a couple of young guys in the team, very good players, but they, they, they're sort of following the Australian team like. You know, I'd follow St. George or someone else might follow Parramatta. Or, so there's, mm. there's definitely a, more of an interest than I felt, just the golfing community at home with the team aspect. Because you were there, Gary, because you've, you've been to both events. But I, yeah, but I just, I just think, Larry, that they hopefully in the future, and I think this, this is probably going to happen, is that, that people will align themselves with a team, like when you mm. follow mm. your own the, rugby league team or own basketball team. The plan, isn't it? And And... You know, at the moment, our team, Team Punch, we're we're sort of down the bottom of the ladder at the NR in the NRL, but we're still we're still wanting to do well, mm, mm. and there's still an interest in that. And I think in Portland, probably nine holes into the second round, Team Punch got up into like fourth. Yep, yep. Yeah, Matt made a couple of birdies. Wade Wade made a couple of birdies. I think Blake got a good start, and then it was like, wow, we, we're we're going mm, up the leaderboard, mm. and but we we fell away at the end. So. I found it interesting that there is an interest in that more than I thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It is a work in progress. I mean, it's only been two events, isn't it? Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I'll, we'll ask Matt about, did you think going into the third tournament at Bedminster, you'd, you'd have 12 major winners and 12 Ryder Cup players? Like, the quality of those players, did you feel that it was always going to be this strong this early, or, or did that surprise you? The, the quality no, of the it's, players? It's, it's very surprising. When my name came out, when we were playing Memorial, uh, when I saw DJ's name on that list, that was a huge surprise and that was definitely a player that was going to pull others and uh, he's definitely pulled other players over. Um, I'm not sure. He didn't have really much to do with Brooks, but getting Brooks, a four-time major champion and 
player of his quality only adds to the quality of the the live field and the players and now you just kept adding top 30, 40, 50 players in the world. Um, they haven't been able to grab that top 10 player. Hopefully one day they will or soon they will. Yeah, the quality is it's pretty impressive when you put it up against a, a PGA Tour event, especially like next week in Detroit where, where they'll be and then we'll be in uh, Jersey. The, uh, for a depth of field for 48 players, and I think we'll probably have, my guess is 25 players inside the top 100 in the world out of the 48 that mm-hmm. are playing. Any feedback from, the, there's been a bit of talk in the media about the um, the locker room banter between some of the players, live players and, and PGA Tour players. It, 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 have you come across anything? that I, I haven't. When I was playing the Memorial and my name came out, I was had nothing but positive from yeah, okay. the guys. There was many of them said, please, can, can we come with you? <laughs> um, I haven't had anything negative said to me personally. Oh, okay. From another PGA Tour player, there have been some players that have said negative things towards other players that I know of. But right. as for me, no, I haven't had any issues at all, and uh, I don't know how you can be. Their purses have gone up a, a lot yeah, since yeah. we've since we've gone over. There's been no downside for them, and they're they're playing for a lot more money. So I'm not sure really what they're complaining about. How's your form, Matt? How are you playing? Gary's saying you're hitting the ball beautifully. Putting is putting okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not where I want it to be. It's not where I know it can be or should be, but it'll get there. I've set high expectations for myself, um, and I expect always be- expect better than what I'm doing. So hopefully when Gary comes over here in a few days that we can get ready for uh, Jersey and we can get up there close to the leaderboard. Speaking of Jersey, Bedminster in Jersey, New Jersey, have you played there? I did. I played there... I think last week my brother was over from Australia for school holidays with his boys and we went out there and played with Donald Trump and my brother and a couple of other friends. So that was quite an I just experience. wanted you to say that. I knew that. Gary told me and I just I don't get it out of you. And I, I wasn't sure whether you were, you, know, you know, you can be a bit shy in the media sometimes, whether you were just going you know, to dodge it and just say I played with my brother and another bloke. But Donald yep. Trump, you've said it, mate. Tell me about that. Tell us all. Tell all the listeners about Donald Trump playing eight holes with him. It was actually quite an experience. It was very different than I was expecting. He was honestly great. Was um, he? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I walked up the first time. I'd met him once before, but mm. walked up there. He spoke to his caddy, and the first thing he said, he's like, can you remember Matt's chip in at Houston? He, oh, that's the first right. thing he brought up. He was great. Phenomenal golf course. Phenomenal um piece of property it's all horse land out there yeah. and uh he was very accommodating and it was a uh, it was a good time a lot like of secret service was everywhere yeah, i was gonna so say that it would have been a few guys in black suits holding their their um their sleeves and talking into their cuffs and um, <laughs> every hole everywhere <laughs> so what's his game like it's actually surprisingly pretty good oh for come 70, on man 76 year old 70 he's 76 yeah he is that isn't he yeah yeah, I've got a few of his swings on my phone from when we played, and uh, it was actually pretty good. I was actually somewhat impressed. I mean, he never loses a ball, or a ball never goes in the water. Unless, um, <laughs> it's funny about that, but, isn't it? But no, he played. Uh, he played quite nicely. What's the schedule like next year for Liv? Is anything confirmed, or like we're hearing we're going to get a tournament in Australia? There is nothing confirmed that I know of. I know we've got. 14 events next year and I'm pretty sure the full team aspect of things will be kicking off next year where I think you're going to have every player in team uniforms you're going to have uh, the te- some team names will be changing so it's not going to be Punch GC it depends or it's not going to be the Fireballs I think Sergio's changing their team name and their team mascot probably this week but as for Australia there's talk about an Australian event. I know Greg and Ron who go and take care of that stuff. They've been looking at some courses in Australia. I know Greg wants to have an event down there. It's just a matter of if 
they can find a course that's willing to uh, take on an event. Because that um, would be probably the best field we've had in Australia since the late 70s when Kerry Packer would bring out the best players at the those Australian Opens through probably 79 through to 82 when he'd probably bring the top 15 best players in the world. I know that we had the President's Cup players play at the Lakes with you at the Aussie Open, I think maybe about 2010. Mm. But other than that, uh, that would be an amazing field for us uh, to watch, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, Australian golf's been starved for having really true quality fields for many years, especially with the PGA Tour's wraparound season. They've pretty much killed golf in Australia, mm, golf yeah, yeah. South Africa. I don't think they've done anything to grow the game in that regard. It's more shut down the games worldwide. And uh, I think having a field of the quality that Live have would be great. I think the fans would really embrace it and i think there'd be a lot of young kids that would love to come out and watch mm, mm. brooks and dj which they'd never really get a chance to see oh, it'd be amazing and, 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 and really if those and if, yeah. <laughs> they'll give you a start larry <laughs> you, you could you could yeah i'm, I'm waiting well last money last money at 125 125 US. okay yeah. yeah well i can knock 25 off 100 yeah. will do get andy to caddy for you he'll get he'll yeah get, our producer he'll make 30, 40 grand? With it, with, I'd be struggling to hit play with these, yeah. with these headphones on, because but I'll to, have a crack. To get those players out individually, like if we had an Aussie Open like we normally do for two and a half million or whatever you guys play for, to get out even four of those players, it'd be huge mm. money, wouldn't it? Like you're looking at yeah, five, six hundred grand, yeah. five, six hundred grand each. Like to get them, you'd be looking at probably six million. Yeah, there you go. Get four of those guys out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then and uh, we'll, we'll be getting all that for for free, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So yeah, they live will be paying money to host, paying money for the golf course to ho- hold the event. I mean, mm. they're they're paying for everything right now. They're what about, not what about, about the, what uh, about Mitigong? Is that something <laughs> Greg's looking at? Or <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I actually wouldn't even know what golf courses eat Mitigong. <laughs> no, nothing. No, 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 the Mount Broughton in Mosswells. That's the one. Yeah, Mount Broughton. Oh, okay. Mount Broughton. I've played that. I can. I've yeah, played, played that there, the day. I can't remember it. Yeah. I th- no, I think you have played it now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty tough back in the day. It can be, yeah. So that's it. We live, live golf at. Um, we'll tell Greg next week that Mount Broughton. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just so you've talked to Larry. <laughs> Just so you, and Greg we'll will probably say, "Hey, was he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still shitting his pants every time he draws me?" Yeah, I still am. Thank you, Matt, for uh, being part of the show. We've enjoyed um, what you've said. Uh, you've enlightened us, uh, and it's it's um, it's all systems go for you. And uh, good luck this week, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Gary, I had the good fortune to try the new Callaway Jaws Raw Wedge the other day. Loved it. Spun the living cover off the thing with a beautiful amount of spin. Which is good for you. Well, it's great for me, yeah. Normally you get the sort of a domey yeah, sort of poppy I, shot. I can, yeah, sometimes I hurt people. Sometimes <laughs> I've actually got to be insured before I pull the wedge out. You and I talked just off air a little bit about the fact that it feels like it stays on the face longer and we'll talk to our man from Callaway, Ben Allen. Ben is the training fitting specialist for Callaway Golf, Gary, and he's on the line right now. G'day, Ben. Thanks for being on our show, Backspin, and talking about the brand new Jaws Raw Wedges. We're all very excited about these because it's a sort of a, a scientific throwback, if you will, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've had, I guess, a pretty big break between MT5 and now these. It's been about three years in the making, so Bit of a throwback, but then also, I mean, lots of new innovative tech on it. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty cool thing to go through. My limited experience with it, Ben, was that I found it. I I'm always stunned how bad a chipper I am, and I don't understand. I don't. I, f- I forget how bad I am until I put some face tape on a wedge 
and then yeah. take it to some different lies and I hit it all over the face. It really is it's, it's embarrassing, but yeah, I'm fessing up to uh, in front of our millions of listeners, Gaz. Uh, actually, Gary's my coach, so he's, he's as much to blame as anyone, I think. So. Yeah, I, I think we had a chipping lesson about 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah. well, look, mm. what's, you know, it's still, I'm still working on it. I did find it had this strange sense of stability. Now, I, and I, I know about the, the tungsten uh, plugs, I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but I felt like almost like I was swinging a, a, a putter that has um, moment of inertia adjusted, you know, with the, with the weight back away from the face. It, it, it did feel stable for, for some strange reason. It could have just been me. I did find also that I could hit it a little higher on the face than I wanted to, still, one, get the backspin that I ne- never thought I could get, and two still get a, uh, a, a reasonable feel. And I think that's because of the cavity situation in the back, isn't it? The weight that's a little up high in the back of the heel of the club. So the basics of it, Ben, how you would start to explain what is involved in making this wedge, where it came from, can you talk us through that? So basically it all started from basically the idea of balance throughout the club. So you've got lots of different areas where there are particularly weight. So that feeling of, but solidness probably more or less comes from the so there's constant ports in the back of it. So there's two ports in the lob wedge and then one port in the sand wedge. And then from there, it's all one massive balancing act. The reason that we actually put that tungsten weight in is because on the sand wedge and the lob wedge, there's a um, there's a variable hosel length. So the in the lob wedge, it's actually much longer. So when we do that, obviously the center of gravity in the wedge goes more towards the heel. So those tungsten weights are really there to kind of offset that weight that we're putting in the heel and because it's longer we also get the cg higher so basically the reason that we've done that is more or less two tungsten ports in the log wedge is going to real feel really stable because there's a whole lot more weight behind that section mm. and generally with pitching and everything like that we're going to hit it a little bit more toe wood than everything because most of the time people cut across the ball a little bit from that area so yeah you'll just get that i guess that solid feeling which is what we're really looking for there's nothing worse than hitting a toe wedge and you feel the club gear really hard and feel almost in that hollow section kind of feel so that's what they're really trying to get at and then when you talk about that hitting it higher up in the face we've also that hosel length is going to make the cg location go up that's why we make it make it so long and then also yeah you've got that toe pad at the back too which is going to again send that centre of gravity higher so the club kind of gears down a little bit but then whatever the club does the ball does the opposite so if the club's gearing down the ball will spin a whole lot more so you get that nice little flat spinning trajectory yep, yep. even if you catch it a little bit higher so ben what i was interested in when i was looking at them and i haven't hit one was the the raw face yeah and obviously most of the guys girls playing the pga tour or professional golf they they're all trying to use a raw wedge, no matter what company they're aligned to. I suppose the negative of a raw wedge, just for golf companies, they, they don't have good shelf appeal because they go rusty. But without the chrome, obviously that hard chrome, the players like having that raw feel, that softer feel, um, more spin. And looking at your wedges here, it's an amazing idea where the raw, or where it goes rusty, is just on the face. And obviously you're killing two birds with one stone there. Uh, obviously they look fantastic. And also the different bounces and the maybe give us a bit of an idea into that philosophy with the those three different bounces I was looking at on the sole. Well, with the raw, it more or less comes from, I guess, the idea is they don't like the glare from the chrome. 
generally as well when they're staring down at it. So it's got a muted toe pad and everything across the whole face is quite muted. So they don't get that glare is the primary reason that they use it. Obviously now we've got chrome and we've got a, we've got a plated finish all the way across the back. And when I guess when you plate the face, it makes I guess, the edges a little bit more rounded so you don't get that sharp edge that you typically get from, I'd say, a raw face. So that's where you're going to pick up a little bit of spin. And then also... One thing that we've really found um, to be a big advantage from going to this, going from chrome plated to the raw, is that just a change in wet conditions. So we're seeing like a 32% increase in backspin in wet conditions, which is a massive effort. So then getting back to your the, the different grinds, how each of those play, we've got the new Z grind, which is there's a bit of a tour story behind that one. I mean, last year we had 8W, which is Roger Cleveland's like go-to wedge that he absolutely adored, which basically came off the back of tour players wanting a low-bounce wide sole option just because they felt like when it was bounced at 12 degrees, they just they couldn't handle the way the club was entering the turf, even though it was quite forgiving. So they made, they made like a... It just basically was getting those 12W wedges and grinding them down to 8. And so he said, well, why don't we make this commercial option? So they did that. And last year, it went okay. went pretty well, particularly from where I'm from in Melbourne. Um, just keeping that leading edge out of the turf a little bit more. But this year, they've been able to do something really, really cool, which is the AZ, which you'll notice that there's a leading edge chamfer on the front edge of mm. on the grind. Mm. That's probably our biggest call out this year is the reason they've designed this is that's got about 30 degrees of bounce on it. So what happens is the face, because the midsole is about 8 degrees on this dead bounce, the actual leading edge sits nice and tight on the ground, so you get that great straight edge look. But then also, when it comes into the ground, what actually happens, the ball gets on, so the club gets underneath the ball, and then it just slides underneath. So it gets kind of like this cool little factor where it plays like a low-bounce wedge because it gets in and underneath the golf ball with the leading edge, but then it just wants to slide. So that's where you're going to see your forgiveness. And that primarily came off the back of, I know Ram for sure was definitely using a wedge similar, so he pretty much had the 8W, but then had the had a leading edge chamfer kind of ground into it. So yeah, that's a pretty cool little wedge that we're very, very excited about. I've used it the past few weeks. And yeah, it's just really, really cool for pitching because you can just hit these shots and the, the club just kind of gets digs underneath the ball and then just wants to slide. So you can catch it that fraction bit behind the ball, but still get the benefits of a low bounce wedge in, mm. in that it gets in, it gets in and underneath the ball. So and then the other grind. So our W grind is probably our most forgiving grind. Again, the leading edge chamfer is there on the on the fifty four and up. So if you go fifty four, fifty six, fifty eight, sixty all have the, um, the leading edge chamfer on them. So again, it's like you get the benefits of a high bounce wedge that all it wants to do is slide. So if, if you're struggling a little bit with steepness and then also distant contact, this thing's going to want to get in underneath the ball and then slide from there, not dig straight in, into the ground. And then the S grind is our most versatile grind, which basically is good for all kinds of conditions, really. Um, you'll find it's a little bit slimmer profile than the 8Z and the, the W as well. So if you like, prefer that way that kind of sits in the ground, it, it'll get into the ground maybe a touch more, then that's probably where you'll go. And then the X grind, which is the last one, is really for those diggers that want some versatility. So there's a bit of heel and toe relief there. So if you want to open up the face, that allows you to do so. So yeah, that's all our four grinds. 
it's blatantly obvious, Ben, that, that uh, a player looking to buy one of these wedges or a set of these wedges desperately needs to be fitted. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, just being able to stand there, I know I, I fit wedges inside, um, which is good and bad. I mean, it's, it's all about a discussion around what it is the player uses different clubs for. So particularly whether they want to go into more wedges, where they want to, what what kind of mixture, when, when do they use their sand wedge versus when do they use their lob wedge? I'm much, very much a person that likes to contrast, particularly grind. So like I'll go in the sand wedge, I'll tend to have a little bit more of a, a higher bounce option in there and then go lower bounce in the lob wedge just because, you know, you go out on the golf course and you have many, many different um, conditions. So you can go from one bunker and it's really heavy and then you can go to the next bunker and it's really quite firm. So you need to have a club for every instance there that's going to help you get it out. And in the softer conditions, you're going to find a higher bounce. Wedge is going to play into your favour. And then in the firmer conditions, you really want to get that ball, that club underneath the ball, so a lower bounce option is going to help. So I definitely think it's worth either consulting, having a hit, listening to the connection of potentially the ball and the, and the club. It's funny. It makes a, a funny little chip noise when you know you've got a perfect grind. But I definitely recommend consulting someone about and going through the process of building that perfect wedge combination. Yeah, I think I, I think you made an important point. Obviously, myself as, as an instructor, there's those two components. There's someone's technique, and and it's where where they play their golf. And it's not unusual now, even with a lot of my students, not necessarily pros or elite players. You know, students whether they're off a eight handicap or off a twenty five handicap, if they're just playing at the Australian Golf Club, for, say all the time. Then you can you can make a sort of an informed decision for those conditions. If they're a player that's playing multiple different courses with different conditions, it's you know I, my advice to them is they they get a couple of different wedges uh, or sand irons as different options. Like you play in Melbourne, someone plays in Queensland and it's um, grainy, a little bit wetter, longer grass. Um, yeah, that's something that you know when I'm advising someone as an instructor to look at. It's not only a, a, a technique applications also the course and the conditions they're playing most of their golf on absolutely i mean that's probably number one i would say there's no point giving someone even if they're a big digger giving them some giving a, a, a high bounce option at say royal melbourne for example it's just not really going to work all that way everything's so firm mm. and and fast it's just going to pretty much kick off the ground and then they're going to have little to no control because when you get that and we call it bounce because it pretty much bounces off the ground and you get a higher ball speed and get that high quick one, which is not really what we want from a wedge. So, so it's, it's come a long way from Gene Saras and when he put so, solder, solder on the back of a, a, a mashy niblick and he, and he, and he, he, sort of, he, saw, he saw a plane take off and he thought, you had one of those, gee, if I, could, if, I, if I could put some solder on the back of this wedge, maybe my, my sand iron will sort of bounce off the ground. So, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's where it's all started. Ben, it's yeah. getting nutty and crazy in here. Thank you, mate. Thanks for uh, for talking us through the Jaws Raw Wedges. Just to finish, there are two different finishes, aren't there? Yeah, so we've got a black plasma and also a chrome. So black plasma is just a PQ um, finish, which is unplated and it's been used now a lot in the lot of black finishes because it doesn't the colour doesn't erode as much. Right. So we're still maintaining that raw face because it, yeah, it's an unplated finish. And then the chrome's just, yeah, chrome-plated around the back, uh, but then again, raw face. So. Thanks, Ben. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you, mate. Uh, thank you, Jen. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Chipping your golf ball 
um, somewhere near a flag, Gary. Can you mm. please help us? It's a. It's obviously a very small shot. You know, in reality, it's a, just a miniature version of the golf swing, but you obviously don't have the time allowance. You're having a, a swing to organise all these different components and movements and club face. So obviously with chipping, what I found interesting with the modern technology that we've got now with TrackMan, which a lot of people have available to them, whether it's an indoor studio or at their, at their local course, is hit some chip shots and look at your numbers. And it's pretty important to look at the face of the club at impact and obviously the path of the club. And it's pretty, pretty important as in, I'd say, almost not negotiable to look that you've got an open face to path. And even though that's not a golf lesson at the moment, it's it's an insight, like a bit of a blood test mm. of what's happening when you're making that, that ball ground contact. And, and fundamentally, with chipping, if you've got a closed face at impact, you can't have all those those nice things that you want. You can't have spin. You can't have trajectory control. And the most detrimental component of that is if you've got a closed face, that means the leading edge is going to be digging in. Mm -hmm. And once that starts digging in and then you start doubting yourself because you start duffing chip shots. So if you can get some advice at that point then from your instructor or local pro, but something that we can just talk about on air, if the face is open at impact and the, the hands are slightly forward, and I'm not talking about, you know, way, way forward, so the grip of the club is maybe an inch in front of the head at impact, and the face to path has to be open. And, and why I keep talking about that is that you have different chippers of the golf ball. So someone might come along and get a golf lesson from me and their path of their chipping is three degrees on the inside and someone might go, gee, is that too much on the inside? Shouldn't I be coming across the ball? If you're three degrees on the inside but your face is five degrees open... Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. And then yep. you, you look at a guy like Fred Couples, uh, you look at a guy like Jim Furyk, the, the ball's still going to use the... You're going to be using the bounce by definition if the face is open... And I know there's other components like angle of attack and there's there's other components with the setup conditions, but that's why you can look at some members that mightn't look that technically correct, mm. but they're just great chippers can of the chip, golf ball. I see that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you might think, gee, he's doing this, me. he's doing that. And you might get someone else, um, and I've never I've never had Paz, Craig Parry, um, you know, I've never seen him his numbers on, on mm. TrackMan, but Paz gave me a set of his old DP30s oh, many years ago, yep. and I've got them in my garage. He just, I've just got the heads. But his sand iron is worn out pretty much on the toe of the club and really, high, really middle to high on the face oh, as well. Okay. He was a great chipper yes. of the ball. Now, you know, just looking, at, just looking at that, I would definitely say that Paz would have been path left. Mm, mm. Now, his path might have been five degrees left, then the face would have been open yeah, compared to that yeah, path. Because, yeah. and and my other tip would be, if you didn't have TrackMan and you didn't have any of this information available to you, is to go down and chip and 
if you're effectively, you know, we all want to chip the ball at the hole, so you, you set up like you would be hitting a chip shot to the hole, but practice losing the ball off to the right. Yeah, okay. Just practice losing the ball off to the right of the hole because that's why we aim left when we chip. Yeah, yeah. Because we're literally, the ball's peeling off to the right. Yeah. And it's very difficult to peel the ball off to the right if the face is closed. Mm, mm, mm. So I suppose that it's a little bit of self-discovery and obviously advice from, you know, your local pro mm. or someone that can chip. But that would be that would be yeah, pretty much yeah, like gold. That makes perfect sense. I, it could it could it be I'm hearing a lot of talk from commentators about using the bounce, using the bounce. Oh, it's, and, it's, and, it's and, unbelievable. And and really if if I ask 10 normal golfers can you explain to me what you think that is they don't often explain it very well oh they usually badly yeah because they, they big flip of the wrist exactly they yeah. they think you've got to scoop the club yes, and hit yes. the back of the club and that's 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 what's well, good for me because i can make a living <laughs> yeah so so bully bully and i at work we we're it, it's it's like blue chip stock yeah, for us okay, yeah so <laughs> You bloody mercenary! That's <laughs> all you are. There's for there, there you're hearing it from Gary Bard. He just wants your money. Don't, don't no, anywhere. that's not true. I, like that, we, we're we're here to help. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll be right back with a spit. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Now, Gary, the spit for me, and like I said in the intro, it, it is becoming a bit um, ad nauseum. I'm saying it a lot, but I'm not seeing anyone doing anything about it. I, I was watching Dustin Johnson teeing off the first tee at St Andrews, the most revered golf course in on the planet, the home of the game, and he just let go with a dirty, rotten, phlegm, spit, gob, so the gobble. So the spit is a spit? Yeah, the spit is actually a spit. It's, mm. it's me watching people spitting on these revered places. Augusta, I've seen Brooks Koepka do it at Augusta. I've now seen Dustin on, you know, and I see Kevin Kisner doing it just wherever he wants, down his golf bag, someone else's <laughs> golf bag, or whatever, on his caddy. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's it's. What is that? I it's mean, how, chew, can, how chewing can it? That's the chewing tobacco, I presume. But they cut it out of baseball. Did they? they? Well, they yeah, Cause, it was, cause it looked disgraceful. Well, the cult, the culture of it, and all the kids, because you you know you imagine the baseball, and all the mm, all the mm. young kids are watching their heroes, and and other other than like, I, I presume. You know, we're not familiar with it in this country. No, we're not. Are it's we? not. It's not. It's not here. It's but not in our culture. Like whether God. whether it's you know, um, you know, obviously cancer causing or whatever. But it, I I definitely know that they addressed that issue quite a few years ago in baseball. But it is still, it's still as you said, you noticed it. Mm. Home of golf, first tee. Yeah, the so. first tee at St Andrews, Gary. <laughs> grasp that, or don't grasp it. It's disgraceful. Yeah, well, I suppose you look back at the old west. If you look at Clint Eastwood, would would do the big spit on a cockroach, wouldn't he? <laughs> and that's and and, and it was. <laughs> it's what a dreadful analogy. Yeah, but, but that, that's that that's the the old cowboys. Yeah, into the splatoon, the splatoon. <laughs> yeah, they were artists back then, with it, weren't they? Uh, yeah, but not at St Andrews, not no. at Augusta. No, oh look, I, I not at yeah. Pebble Beach. Yeah, Royal yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, no. so you're thinking they should get a tap on the shoulder? I say they should get a wallop on the shoulder. Like mm. a slap across the chops from their mother. Just a slap. Bang. Yeah, absolutely. You naughty boy, Dustin. Yeah. Go back to the locker room. Yeah. Get yeah. rid of whatever yeah. that is in your gob. I, I suppose I suppose there's there's if if that's what they do, um that that nicotine rush or whatever I suppose the calming I'm not sure, but I suppose 
you, you'd like them to be a bit more sort of where, where they do it. Like, go, yeah. wait till he gets the gorse bush or something. Yeah, if he has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sort of move away a little bit. But uh, is it always that, that tobacco stuff? Is, it, is that always the case? They are chewing on something? It's just, I think that's just the, you know, um, the culture over there. Just the chewing. From okay. the baseball, oh. from the, yeah, that's... Well, that's, how did the baseball fix it? They just stopped them from chewing tobacco. Look, I'm, I'm, I can't tell you, but I know that I know that, that definitely... Because okay. they'd be in the dugout. Like, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, used to, I used to see the pitcher do it. Now, now that you've made that reference, yeah. I have definitely seen it a lot in baseball. Yeah, games. so I think that um, they've got to find an alternative yeah. way of calming themselves down. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. Well, a lot of them, look, you, you saw, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, um, I'm not that familiar, but you saw Phil chewing gum quite a lot mm. when he was playing, Tiger yes. chewing gum. I think that's the same thing where it's some calming effect or some, mm. it's obviously legal. Yep. It's not illegal uh, and it's not banned, but it's mm. it's just a, a way of them. They're still drug testing, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, they- They do that and live? They do very, must, yeah, must do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a normal thing now in mm. world sport. I think I did. I think I used to take, I think I might have taken beta blockers at some point in my career. Would that have- Well, uh, Payne Stewart, Payne Stewart, he was the one that, was I suppose publicly was the one that was he came out at that time where they banned beta blockers, right? Which would um, lower your blood blood pressure, yeah, and like then lower think, your heart rate too, didn't yeah. It? And then and then pain started putting pins in his ears, yeah. <laughs> he did too, didn't he? Yeah. So wow, yeah. So because obviously our sport is you want to keep your arousal level You've down. Got to stop it, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you're that sort of personality where you're getting too up and too down, it's a you're going to have a pretty short career because mm. you just wear yourself out. Yep. Gary, thank you, mate. Thank you for right, being mate. on the show again. And uh, we're looking forward to having you back after you come back from the, the next Live Golf Tournament at Bedminster. It should be a good one with Trump. Trump's going to be there. It's obviously his golf course. They were going to play the PGA there. So it's obviously a strong yeah. golf course. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt played there about a week ago. He said, you've got to drive the ball. Fantastic. He said, you've really got to... There's a couple of tee shots where you've really got to sack it up. Mm, okay. And... There's no hiding there, he said. So it should well, again suit, suit him. He's a he's a flasher. He's well, that's his best club. He's driver. So he's just got to get some putts. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. just hasn't hasn't putted as well as he did. You know, I, I was thinking about you know not many people as they get older putt better. Mm. When yeah, you think of, make, when you think was, about it, yes. And, and 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 obviously Matt can putt, but the level you need to putt at to win tournaments. Normally, if you look at the winner each week, they've they're up near the mm, leading course. leading putting. So, yep, yep, that's what we that's what we've got to do. Well, good luck, both of you. All right, mate. Um, thank you, Gary. Thank you, listeners. We'll be back as soon as Gary gets back from America again with another episode of Backspin. <laughs>